Let's turn to the Word of God now. We have our Bibles. Amen. I pray you all have your Bible and that you will follow along. Let's go to the book of Judges in the Old Testament in chapter 6. This is the Old Testament. This is before the coming of Christ. But uh, we have to understand that this is before the coming of Christ here in this world in the flesh, but Jesus Christ already existed. Am I telling the truth? Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And that could be said at the time of Jesus, and it could be said at the time that we are studying this morning. So Judges chapter 6, verse 12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And this is the angel of the Lord visiting a man by the name of Gideon. You can look up at the verse right up ahead of it and see that um, Gideon is the man being addressed by the angel of the Lord. And this is quite an account in the Bible, uh, uh, quite a story. Gideon's story uh, stretches across several chapters of the Bible. And in standard, the standards of the Old Testament, that's a lot. That's a lot for one guy to be on the stage, so to speak. And so this morning, I'm not going to be able to cover all that material. First, I'd like to cover with you a cast of characters, so to speak, in the story. I'd like to cover three different characters uh, with you, one being Gideon. And then I'd like to share uh, a few details from the story. Okay, like I said, cast of characters includes Gideon. Verse 11 mentions him. And if you understand the character of Gideon, you realize that he was not an easy sell in the Lord. He did not receive the message and promises of God easily and without a bit of a struggle. He didn't say, for instance, when the angel of the Lord came to him and said, um, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He didn't say, oh, gee, thanks for believing in me, Lord. Thanks for believing in me, angel of the Lord. He didn't respond that way. He questioned the Lord in his life. He resisted. He hesitated, double-guessed, thought, thought about it probably too much. But in the end, the Lord overcame his doubts and used him to win a great victory for the kingdom of God. And I just want to say this morning, if the Lord has to overcome your doubts... If you've got some doubts this morning, if you're second-guessing some things about the Lord, you've come to the right place and we accept the challenge. The Word of God is sufficient for you. If you're wondering how the Lord could ever make things different in this world, oh, we, we could talk about the problems we see forever. But how is the Lord going to change things? If you're wondering, if you're doubting, if you're second-guessing, we accept the challenge. If you're wondering how you personally could ever make a difference, we seem so small, don't we? Uh, 
next to the size of the chaos and the problems and the trouble that's in this world. If you doubt that the Lord in heaven can use you to accomplish your pur- his purposes in your life and in this world, you are not so much different than this man that I'm reading uh, to you about, this man named Gideon. You're not so much different than him. And in fact, either was I. I didn't see how I could make a difference when I was a young man, and I gave my life to the Lord when I was 17 years old, and my whole outlook changed. Praise God. I'm going to limit myself uh, to only a few of the details in this lengthy account of Gideon, but I pray that there are details that help build your faith. Let's see uh, why Gideon was uh, doubting the way he was. Let's back up to um, Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. It says here, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Ah, we see why Gideon was discouraged. All right, the second uh, item in the cast of characters, I told you there would be three, is actually not a single character, but the Midianites. These are people from the land of Midian. These are the enemies of Israel who was oppressing the land. And that's because of the nation's disobedience to God. When you disobey God, you lose his protection in your life. You lose his hand on the reins. You know, in, in Israel, you'd like to get enough rain every year, but you don't want too much that it's going to wash away your soil and your crops. Well, who's going to give you the right amount of rain? You need the Lord to be powerful in your life. And if you want the Lord to be powerful in your life, you've got to obey him. Your life can be overrun with problems if you're not in God's will. God intervenes in the, in the lives of those who trust and obey him. Don't make any mistake about it. Don't ever suppose that there's no connection between your obedience to God and what God does in your life. God is God. 
And so he's not going to intervene and turn our lives around without our obedience to him. I like to say that there's a one-two punch in Christ and in our success in life. A one-two punch. Our hard work is one of the punches, and God's blessing. God's blessing is the other punch. If they don't operate together, there's a great disconnect in our lives. If we don't work hard and we just take the blessing of God for granted, I will tell you, the blessing of God will go to waste in our lives. The blessing of God needs our cooperation. The blessing of God needs our obedience to the Lord. And then there's our obedience to the Lord. That's the other punch. Well, I'll tell you, we can obey the Lord forever if he does not bring his blessing to us, all of our labors are going to be in vain. As the Bible says, they labor in vain, which try to keep the house of the Lord if the Lord doesn't watch over the house. That's the same, the same is true of your own personal house, of your family, of your own personal life. You need the Lord to bless you and your efforts or you're just going to be spinning your wheels. I like to say it this way. You're going to do a lot of sweating, but you're not going to get much getting. You need the blessing of God along with your hard work. You need your hard work, and you need the blessing of God. Praise God. Well, Israel was doing a lot of sweating, but they weren't doing much getting. The Bible says they were living on the mountainsides and actually you can go to Israel today and you could look at these areas and you could see ancient terracing on the mountainsides. And you say, oh my goodness, what a wonderful thing. They made terraces and steps on the mountainsides so they could cultivate the sides of the mountains. It's actually a leftovers, the leftovers from a very difficult life. You know where you'd plant your uh, where you would plant your crops if you wanted things to be much easier for you you'd plant them in the fertile valleys. But it turns out that Israel wasn't blessed by God at that time and they were chased out of the fertile fertile valleys and they worked and labored to, in stone to build these terraces. It's leftovers of their oppressed life. The name Midianites, the name Midianites is a very common Hebrew word, actually, and it means quarrels or controversies. I wonder if we today, in the 21st century in central New York, can relate to that. To the great multitude of oppressive quarrels and controversies that touch our lives. There is such a multitude of opinions to listen to in this world. Such a multitude of positions. Am I telling the truth? Such a multitude of words and arguments it can make you want to hide from it all. 
questions and arguments. Who is God? What's he like? Where is he? What is God doing? Why are there quarrels in our homes? Why are there quarrels between husbands and wives? Why are there arguments between children and parents? Why are there arguments in our neighborhoods and among our neighbors? Why are there quarrels and fighting and controversies and difficulties all around us? I'll tell you, it is the oppression of the Midianites as our nation drifts away from obedience to God. It is just going to create a multiplication of arguments and quarreling, fighting in the families, quarrels on the streets, quarrels between parties, quarrels between races. By the way, we're so glad, no matter what race you are, that you come to Living Word Church. We're not going to be looking at whether you're black or you're brown or you're yellow or you're white. I have a question for you. Is your blood red? Because if your blood is red, you're in. Because the blood of Jesus Christ was red. That's what matters. You are a human being that God loves, and he wants to have his way in your life. There's no back of the bus here. We get oppressed by all these quarrels when God wants us to have peace. Well, the answer is not to check out of the battle. The answer is not to check out. That's what a lot of people are doing nowadays. They're just checking out of the battle because it's really, it's big. The problem is big. The answer, though, is to fight with the Spirit of God and to fight with the love of Jesus, not to fight with our fists, And not to fight with foul mouths, not with red faces and cold hearts, but to fight with the Spirit of God. I heard a funny report this morning that someone came to our dinner on Labor Day that we had for our food pantry clients. They came, they were fussed over at the dinner, and they wound up saying, I'm not going to that church. Why not? Oh, it's got to be a cult. Why do you say that? Well, are you kidding me? The people were really, really nice to me. (laughs) The people were kind and loving. Something's not right. (laughs) I I chuckled too when I heard that. Because I'll tell you what, we're going to keep loving people. And we really do love you. We really do. But there's a lot, something a lot better than if we love you, and that's that Jesus Christ loves you. Hallelujah. We don't want to fight like that, like, like with red faces and foul language and fists. We don't want to fight like that. We want to fight with the love of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying become the, the loudest thumper of, the, of your Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying pray. Pray! Okay, we've covered Gideon a little bit, why he was discouraged and having a hard time believing. Covered the Midianites. They represent quarrel, quarreling and controversy. And the third 
in the cast of characters, and the final one that I'm going to mention specifically, even though there are quite a number of other people that get involved in these events, the third one I'm going to mention is the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is the one that speaks in verse 12. And uh, the angel, we see the angel of the Lord appear in verse 11. What turned things around for Israel here? A face-to-face encounter with God. That's what did it. And if you want things turned around in your life, you need a face-to-face encounter with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. God can turn things around in your life. God can set you free from the quarreling and the contention and the fighting that is in this world. He loves you. You need a face-to-face encounter with Him. You need to be visited by God like Gideon was. If you check out verses 14, where it says, The Lord turned to him and said, in verse 16, where it says, And the Lord answered, I will be with you. This makes it clear that the angel of the Lord is actually the Lord. It's actually, I'm going to refer to him as Jesus. And if you're a student of the Old Testament, you realize that Jesus appears many times in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. Can I hear an amen for those of you who have studied it? Jesus appears in the Old Testament and he's appearing right here. And so the angel of the Lord, think of Jesus. Gideon has a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. He's not an easy sell. He has his doubts about anything becoming different. But Jesus persists. Verse 11, Judges 6, 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where... His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now we have a kind of bringing together of these three members of the caste to the, to the story here. We have the Gideon, the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord. And we hear here, we're going to start in on the story now, we hear that Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. I will tell you, if you are not living your life for Jesus, your life can get all turned around backwards. And that's what had happened here. And you will never prosper. There was nothing harder than to thresh wheat in a wine press. Wrong place for the wrong task. A wine press was down in the valley. They put the wine presses down in the valley because grapes are very heavy after you harvest them, and they would carry the grapes downhill to the wine press, not uphill. In addition, they wanted the wine press to be in a place that was protected by shade. 
So the grapes would last longer, and so when they were pressing the grapes, they actually, it was a, a labor they did by stomping the grapes with their feet while they were working so hard that they would be shielded from the sun by many trees and leaves and bushes and so on. And so the wine press was at the bottom of the hill. Wrong place to thresh wheat. If you were threshing wheat, you wanted to do it in the wide open. And you wanted to do it on the top of the hill where it was windy. You would not thresh wheat down in the valley. You would thresh wheat out in the open. And you wouldn't thresh wheat under the protection of trees and leaves that would block the wind. You needed wind in order to thresh wheat. The wind would blow away the chaff. They actually would make a pile of wheat and throw it into the air. And the wind would come and blow the waste material away, which was lighter, and the actual seed of wheat that is what they would grind into flour that would fall straight down. So you'd throw it all up in the air and the bad stuff would blow away in the wind and the good stuff would fall back down into the pile. You did this continuously until all the light chaff was blown away by the wind. The best place to do that was on the top of the hill. There was a problem, though, with working at the top of the hill, and that is the Midianites would see you there. The Midianites would see you out in the open, up on the top of the hill. You'd be so easy to see. So Gideon brought his wheat to the worst place you could bring it to thresh wheat, to the the wine press. They wouldn't be looking for him there. It wasn't the time of the grape harvest. Down in the valley, down in the shade, you'd be hidden from the Midianites, you'd be hidden from the quarrels and the controversies and the oppressors. You were hidden. The problem is, staying in that hiding place was going to ensure that your life was hard, that your life was poor, and that your life was unproductive. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, John the Baptist spoke of the ministry of Jesus. He described it this way, Jesus' winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's what you do. You take a fork and you put it into the pile of wheat and throw it into the air for the wind to blow away the chaff which was fit for nothing but the fire. If you're down in the shade, if you're down in the hiding place, if you're down and you're, and you're not in the open, but you're in a, a covered over place where there isn't much wind, I'll tell you what happened. And this speaks of our Christian experience. If we keep to ourselves, if we keep ourselves private, if we live in an echo chamber where we only hear our own voice, if we go to a hiding place because it's dark and it feels safe and nobody will look at us, I'll tell you what happens. You're going to take your pile of wheat, you're going to throw it up in the air, 
And all the waste material is going to come straight down into the pile along with all the good material. The bad material will not blow away. You will not be able to separate the good from the bad. You will not grow in Christ if you are nothing but private. If you want anonymity, you will not grow in Christ. You need to come out in the open in order to go grow in Christ so that the bad stuff can go out into the open and the wind of the Holy Ghost can blow it away. You will find yourself prospering. You will find yourself fruitful. You will find yourself with a big pile of beautiful wheat that can feed you. Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press because he was giving up. Please don't give up today. Let Jesus visit you today. Let Jesus speak to you today. He is the angel of the Lord. Let him meet you face to face and turn your life around. That's what the angel of the Lord did for Gideon. Gideon got off to a slow start when the angel of the Lord visited him. It's a shame that he started slow. The good thing is that he got encouraged every step of the way and he continued forward. Praise God. You know, that's like uh, so many of us, right? Are we all stars from day one in Christ? Well, we never become stars in Christ. The most important thing is that we continue forward. We continue changing. Well, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and he said, I want to work some victories in this nation through you. And he tore down his, alt- his father's idolatrous altar But he did it at night because he didn't want to be known as the one who tore down his father's idolatrous altar. He was afraid of the consequences, so he did it at night. You see, he is going forward and obeying the Lord, but he's still trying to keep it a secret. Well, to our amazement, and I've got to think that this was amazing to Gideon as well, the community finds out that he tore down his father's altar and they want him. They want to destroy him. They're really mad at him. And who, of all people, comes to his defense? His father. He tore down his father's altar and his father came to his defense. Surprise! If you serve God and put him first... Even the people you think will disagree with you and trouble you and persecute you will come on your side. Praise God. He seemed to create this great upset in the community. But again, to our surprise, and it must have been to his amazement as well, when he blew a trumpet and sent out a message, let's gather together in order to confront our enemy thousands and thousands of soldiers, tens of thousands of soldiers responded to the invitation. Gideon might have been pinching himself. I can't believe it. My father defends me. Everybody rallies in order to come against these Midianites. Wow! This is going better than I ever imagined. And you see, that's the, that's the deal with faith. God is able to do above what we can imagine or think. 
Even when Gideon doubted that he was the right man to be the leader of God's people, the Lord gave him the amazing sign of support, two miracles with fleeces. In chapter 7, we see the showdown between the Midianites and the Amalekites on the one side. By the way, you know, I've I've talked with you a little bit about the meaning of the Midianites. The meaning of the Amalekites is another good study. I'm not going to get into that this morning, but if you want to study that. There were the Midianites and the Amalekites on one side, Gideon and Israel on the other side. The Lord tells Gideon, too many soldiers. Gideon put out the message. Come on, everybody, rally. Let's let's break this oppression of these quarrelers, the Midianites. So many responded, and the Lord said, no, you've got too many soldiers there. The Lord is concerned that the the, um, soldiers and the nation will take credit for the victory, and they'll take credit away from God, thinking they won the battle on their own with their own superiority. Now, that might sound petty on the part of the Lord or selfish, but actually it's the most caring thing. Because the very reason that they were in this oppression and that they were fighting and spinning their wheels, working but not getting anywhere, was because they had forgotten the Lord. Because they weren't serving Him and obeying Him. So it was going to be for their benefit that God win a mighty victory with a very small army. Praise God. He didn't want them to forget him again. The Lord is essentially protecting them, teaching them how to trust in him, to keep them under his protective wing. Go God's way, and he'll bless you. Serve God. Guaranteed, he'll bless you. He will help you. He'll prosper you. He'll deliver you from this atmosphere of quarreling that so oppresses us all. Don't think you can solve all your problems on your own. Forget that lottery ticket. It's not going to save you. Don't think some big gift from a rich source is going to save you. Instead, give God glory. Let the Lord do his thing in your life. Don't forget him. Judges chapter 7 and verse 3. Here was the instruction of the Lord when Gideon had too many men in his army. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Gideon lost two-thirds of his army with that announcement. If you fear, if you tremble, go home. The Lord was not going to win a victory with the fearful 
and the unreliable. He would not saved, save Israel by the hand of those who loved their homes too much. Oh, God wants us to love our families. He wants us to love our homes. But God won't save by the hand of those who love their homes too much. Those that left Gideon loved their homes. They loved their lives. They loved the security of their homes. They lived in oppression. They lived as slaves. But they so highly valued the little piece of turf that they had that when the opportunity came along to turn their backs on the mission and run back to their homes, they took advantage of the opportunity. They ran back to their homes. They left the church. They hid in their homes. You will not win the victory that way. You will, not win. you will not be one who wins the victory that way. You may very well be one who reaps the benefits of those with faith and those who battle. But you won't have the blessing of saying, I was part of that battle and I was part of that victory. You can love your home too much. The Lord weeded them out. The Lord filtered them out. Those who thought of their homes even above the will of God and God's people. Well, it turns out the Lord still wasn't happy with the odds, right? Wow, the Lord is something. If you're learning about the odds that God loves, you will realize that he likes it if it's harder and the odds are slimmer. The odds are more unlikely. So Judges chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 7 and verse 5. Judges 7, 5. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongue as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. The ones who got down on their knees to drink, got on their knees to their thirst. They got on their knees to their needs. You can get on your knees to your thirst for money, to your thirst for security, to your desire for a prosperity, to your longing for romance. You can get right down on your knees and stick your face right in it. You can get on your knees in your quest for style. You can get right on your knees in your desire and your thirst for popularity. You can get on your knees in your quest for personal glory. You get right down. It'll be all you focus on. You put your face right in it. You will surrender yourself completely to the thirst. 
You'll be so focused on your own desires that you'll forget what's going on around you. Who did the Lord want in Gideon's army? Those who could be mindful of their God-given mission while they drank with some restraint. They drank a little. They needed that water, and God knew. But they were not entirely surrendered to their personal needs and desires. They weren't sticking their face right down in it. If I stick, oh boy, the camera's going to have a hard time following me. If I drink like the guys that got on their knees, what do you see? What do you see right now? What do you see? Oh boy. (laughs) You see the back of my head. You don't see my eyes. But the other group put their hands down in the water. What do you see right now? My eyes. They brought that water up to their faces in cupped hands, right? What do you see? My eyes. My face. And they lapped the water like a dog laps. A little bit of water. If you're going to put your face right in it, your eyes are going to be down. You're not going to see what's going on around you. You're not going to be aware of what's going on around you. You're not going to be aware of the mission. You're going to be aware of you. Just you. And you're going to have your face right down in it. Whatever the it is. Whatever it is that you're thirsting for so much, putting yourself first. Your desire being kind of overruled by it. The 300 got their drink. They got a drink. They were taken care of. They could carry on with the drink that they got. But they got it without, without ever forgetting that they were God's people and they were called to win a victory over the Midianites. They never forgot the mission that God gave them. They stayed on mission and the mission to them was more important than their fleshly desires. And I will tell you, God can gain a mighty victory with a few people with that kind of focus and that kind of unselfishness. God can win a great victory with just a handful like that. Amen? We're running out of time. I've got to get to the victory here. Chapter 7, verse 19. Gideon and the hundred men with him, uh, there were 300 altogether. They split apart into three areas. There were a hundred of them with Gideon. The hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. That is, they reached the edge of the Midianite camp, the enemy camp, at the beginning of the middle watch, that's the middle of the night, just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon! 
While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying as they fled. I hope you can picture the situation, brothers and sisters. Gideon had given his little band of 300 faithful warriors trumpets, torches, and jars or pitchers, clay jars. They lit the torches while they were far away from the Midianite camp where the Midianites were not aware of what they were doing and the plan. They put, held their torches and dropped the ceramic jars over the top of the torches so the torches could still burn inside the jar but not be seen by the Midianites as the children of Israel snuck up close to the Midianite camp. At the trumpet sound, the men smashed the clay jars and exposed the torches in the full brightness of the torches. It was a unified trumpet blast. And the Midianites, as they looked out, they saw themselves surrounded by trumpets, trumpeting the the battle alarm. And they saw 300 fires all around them, thinking then that they were surrounded by a huge force of uh, soldiers. They interpreted the lights as an enormous fighting force, and they ran in terror. They wounded themselves on the way. As I said, the time is short this morning for my words. But I want to tell you that I am blowing the Holy Ghost trumpet today. Will you smash your heart and soul and allow the light of Jesus to shine out of a redeemed heart? Do not hide that torch inside you. God never intended for us to have a private faith. Yes, we have a private faith in the sense that it's individual, it's inside my heart, it's me and God that have to work this out, just like Gideon had a face-to-face meeting with Jesus. You've got to have that. But once Jesus has his way in your life and leads you into battle, it's time for your faith to stop being private. It's time for your, to smash the jar. Smash the pitcher. Break the pitcher. And let your light so shine that men will see the goodness of God in your life. Do not hide the light under a bushel, Jesus said. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, Jesus said. Am I telling you the truth? Out from under the bushel basket. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Climb out of the valley where you're trying to work so hard at creating your own little slice of a good life. He wants you instead to be the light of the world. A city set on a hill. He wants you to come out into the open place where the wind blows and your life can be fruitful and God can take away the ugly stuff out of your life. He can take away the wasteful stuff out of your life. The, 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 the wind of Jesus can purge away the evil, purge away the wasteful, purge away the pointless. 
and leave good fruit, a great pile of overflowing good fruit in Jesus Christ. But you've got to come out in the open. You've got to come to the top of the hill. You've got to smash the jar and let the light shine. You've got to stop being all private. You've got to stop being all in solitary. You've got to stop being all in hiding in anonymity. Look, Gideon didn't get any anonymity anymore. When they, when they went into battle, they said, for the sword of the Lord. And then what did they say? And for the sword of Gideon, he's probably thinking, oh boy. There's no hiding now. I got a, bullet, a, 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 a bullseye on my back now. Right. Isn't it the way God wants it? Climb out of the valley Brothers and sisters, after the followers of Jesus had seen the angel of the Lord Jesus risen from the grave, risen out of the tomb, after they were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, did they hide? They published the good news of Jesus in very public places, didn't they? They did not want just the benefits of Christian character if they weren't going to win souls to the kingdom of God. It was as though not only Jesus came forth from the grave, it was as though they came forth from the grave too. They came forth from the life of death. They came forth from the life of secrecy, privacy, hiding. They came out of the tomb too. And I beg of you this morning to come away from the dead life. To come away from the dead and purposeless life. To come out of the shadows. To stop trying to thresh wheat in the wine press. It doesn't fit. It's not going together. To get your face out of the water and look about you and realize you are involved in God's mission. If these words are touching you this morning, the front is open. You can pray wherever you are. You can come forward and pray. I ask the singers to sing us a song or two while we devote the rest of the meeting to prayer. It's a very important part to our meeting this morning, isn't it? Please come forward if you'd like to seek the Lord. What were the jars made out of? that hid the torches. They're made out of clay, weren't they? The pitchers, the jars, they're made out of clay. That's the flesh. It's always going to be the flesh that's going to want to hide the light of God within you. It's just the flesh. But our Lord wants us to overcome the flesh. And let our light shine in this world. Amen. Amen. So I, I pray that you have a wonderful dinner in our banquet hall. If you're uh, new to Living Word Church, this is your first time and you, you came primarily for uh, dinner. Can I ask for your forgiveness now for loving you? <laughs> we just want to love you. We have a teaching in our church. Foundational teaching. Food is love. (laughs) So please, let us love you and forgive us if we love you too much. (laughs) Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, 
We give the rest of this day to you. We ask you to use it for your glory. Oh, Lord, let our fellowship be sweet. Let our communication be edifying. Let us be open with one another and and treat each other with respect and care. And bless this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. We will be here for prayer meeting tonight. Just for your information, praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.